Hey, what's up, everybody? On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we sit down with Olympic hopeful Bradley Nickel. He's right now trying to make the U.S. Olympic team in the skeleton. And he talks about his journey. He talks about resilience. He talks about hard work. He talks about competing the right way. It is just an incredible podcast. You will love the insights from Bradley Nickel. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. I'm Dustin Smith. I'm here with co-host Shad Martin, and our guest for today's episode is Olympic hopeful Bradley Nickel. Bradley, thanks for joining our podcast today. Thank, thank you so much for having me on. This is, uh, you know, when I texted you, I said it's really weird for me to be the professional athlete in this scenario. You know, so you know when I was young, um, you would always uh, talk about how Gordon Hayward was a part of this program and a few other athletes, and now. It's weird for me to be in that spot. I'm now the professional athlete that is uh, talking about E4A and how it's important to me. So I'm very grateful to to be here. Well, we have you so people know Bradley is currently out at Lake Placid Training Facility, right? The Olympic Training Facility. And uh, uh, it, it remind me, what's the official name of your competition? Because is it luge or bobsled or what is the? It's not bobsled. It's luge, right? <laughs> it's none of those. It's skeleton. It's skeleton. So skeleton is, uh, for people at home that don't know, it's not loose. So loose is when you have your feet forward. Uh, and then bobsled is when you're in that big ginormous sled that you see in cool runnings. Said you're going to grab a loose sled and you're going to flip it around. We're going head first uh, straight down the track. So we're, we're reaching speeds anywhere between 80 to 90 miles an hour, depending on what track we're at. We're at head first with our face dragging once in a while because the G-forces are so strong. That's wild, Bradley. That's so cool. Well, I'm going to start off by asking you a question, and then and then Chad's got a couple for you. So you're out there training right now. You're with some of the most, you know, athletic Olympic hopefuls in the in our country. I know that your regimen's pretty stacked every day, and you're, you're busting your tail every day to hopefully go win a gold medal for the country. But you actually found out about, especially for athletes and some of our our mission and goal, when you were pretty young. Um, tell us a little bit about how you came across us and why this message has stuck with you for over 10 years now, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like we have to take it all the way back to when I first met you, Dustin. Um, I was actually, uh, for whatever reason, I had a weird point in my football, young football career where I wanted to play quarterback. <laughs> I ended up not being a quarterback, but I went to a BYU football camp um, when I was about 11 years old. And Dustin, you were actually the quarterback coach for, for our group. Um, and I don't remember E4A being a thing at that time, but I know you had your QB elite um but i remember right before i left you said hey if you ever want more quarterback work here's here's my card and i always remembered your name dustin smith i re i always remembered you because that card that you gave me 
Um, you know, fast forward five years, you know, E4A starts being a thing when I'm in high school and I don't think I have an interaction with you until, um, we actually, when I played at Springville, we, we played Maple Mountain. Um, and that's, this is when Jaron Hall was the quarterback. So it was my sophomore year. He was a senior and I don't know if you remember, but we actually met on the middle of the field and we had that E4A sign and I'm sure we could pull it up um on this podcast you could pull up the picture but i'm i'm somewhere in that photo and i i believe that's the next time i ran into you and i i thought i remember this guy i think he's the the quarterback guy and uh turns out it was so um i i uh, i would i loved what e4a stood for um and it was something that i I try to do my best to stand with what throughout high school. Obviously, when you're a high school, you kind of, I mean, I regret to say this, but sometimes you're not going to be the best person, uh, you know, but uh, I always tried my best uh, to stand for the values. Well, that that picture you're referring to for, for those that we, we've posted it before, it's probably on the website. That was kind of a one of a kind because I, 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 there haven't been many pictures like that ever taken at a high school football game. Both teams came out to midfield. Now, these are two rival schools, and that particular game, Bradley, was going to decide the region champion for that, yeah. for that region. And yeah. you guys came out with the cheerleaders, coaches, players from both teams, and intermixed between each other, and we took a picture or I, I took a picture of all of you next to the uh, Eyes Up Do the Work, especially for athletes, sign. And we've used that quite a bit to mm -hmm. teach our principle of of competing without contempt, that here two teams could come together from rival cities before a kickoff and not have a fight breakout and you know, actually do it in a, in a, and then go back and play this you know super physical uh, football game which is one of our principles, competing without contempt. But I'm going to ask you one question. I want you to tell one story, and then uh, Chad's got something to fire off at you. When we had you, when you and I bumped into each other a couple years ago, you uh, we were both at the same chiropractor. Um, I've had back problems for 30 years, and you're probably being uh, doing the skeleton and going 90 miles an hour. Your back's getting jarred all over the place. But when yeah. we walked out, you came up to me and asked me, uh, you came up to me and asked me my name and said, are you Dustin? And then you told me a story about a yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Something you'd learned and used as a waiter or something. I remember you talking about, and yeah. would you just tell us that quick story? Because that's something we try to really, uh, uh, emphasize with young people coming up is the need to just speak appropriately and be respectful and tell us that story. Hey, Dustin, maybe before, let me just play that. Is that cool? Let me, let me it, yeah. so everyone can hear it. So, so here's that video that was made a couple of years ago that went a little bit viral on our social media because people loved it. So here it is. Hey, so I wanted to tell you a, a quick story, something that just happened. I was in a store and I uh, had this young man walk up to me and say something to me that reminded me of the importance of saying yes, sir, and yes, ma'am to the adults in your life, athletes. So I wanted to have him tell you a story. His name's Bradley Nickel, and he's going to be in the 2026 Olympics, in, in uh, the Winter Olympics. He's training right now out in New York for that, 
and he's a local kid from Utah, but he, I just bumped into him, and I haven't seen him or don't even remember him. It's been 10 years since I met him, but I want to have him tell you what he just came up and told me a minute ago. Hey, guys. Uh, like you said, my name is Bradley, uh, and I'm training to be an Olympian for, for the U.S. skeleton team. Um, when I was 12 years old, I uh, Dustin was my quarterback coach when I played quarterback back in the day um, and at the camp he said if you want to stand out to people you say yes sir and yes ma'am to them or yes yes coach um, and for some reason I remembered that um, and I've said yes sir yes ma'am ever since uh, and there's been so many compliments throughout my life of people saying where did you learn that thank you for saying that um, there's not a lot of people that uh, show that respect anymore uh, and it's been able to help me get through life give me some jobs um, and all that so uh, make sure you say yes sir and yes ma'am I promise you it will set an amazing impression yeah, so this is, uh, w what's really funny about this is when you guys posted this and I reshared it on my account, uh, my friend who's I, my teammate, uh, and best friend is from the South. And he said, this is, this is, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. This is pretty standard in the South, but it's really interesting, um, how, where we're from, I feel like saying, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. is just, it's not a very common thing. Um, in fact, people get a little startled by it when you do say it, they think I'm calling them old, but for the most part, they really love that I'm showing my respect to them. Uh, and it, I mean, I mentioned it in the video. It's, it's, helped me in so many different scenarios just in job situations uh if i need you know job applications or i guess interviews or even when i'm talking to my coaches here um you know at the olympic training center i'm yes sir yes ma'am whatever i do and it just really shows them that i care i i am you know i care about what they're saying I value uh, their insight um, or what they have to say, and I think it's taken me a very long way. Um, and it's it's funny that it's stuck with. I mean, I mentioned it in the video. I you said it to me when I was a kid, and you know, I can name I can name so many different scenarios where that was helpful for me. Um, so yeah, that's really cool. Bradley and to have something like that stick with you and we're losing that aren't we Dustin yeah. <laughs> Bradley like just the respect for other people I mean it sounds like your friend from the south would say just something that's so elementary like just be respectful and kind especially yeah. to those who are older than us no matter their station in life no one is too unimportant to not be treated with that that respect in fact for me i get more joy out of it treating people with respect that the the world would consider as not as deserving you know and i love talking to waitresses or people at the fast food window and and just treating them with that same respect that i would treat like the president you know and yeah. it's cool to see the impact that has on them and it's so cool it says a lot about you bradley that that would stick with you when you were 11 and and you would do it until now I, I think the reason why it stuck with me so much is is because the way my parents um honestly raised me i come from a korean household uh, my mom is a korean immigrant and you in korea the number one thing is respect to anyone that is older than you uh, especially um if they're an authoritative figure so when i've always um shown my parents respect like that 
or people, you know, Korean relatives that I have, I've, I've shown them respect like that my entire life. So when Dustin did say, yes, sir, tell me to say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Coach. It only made sense for me. And it was honestly an easy transition for me, uh, because of the the household that I'm from. Um, I also want to, it's important for me to say that Dustin, I think another reason why it stuck with me is Dustin said, if you want to separate yourself from other people, say yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And that was like, at that time, you know, football was everything. I wanted to impress everyone. I want to be, be the best football player I could become. And something as simple as that, I was like, I, I want to take that in. I want to use that um, to see if it could uh, make me a better football player. Um, as, as silly and small as that sounds. Yeah, no, that's really great. And, you know, one of our principles is seek to bless, not to impress. But we always point out that as you seek to bless other people, as you treat people that way, yeah. The irony is, is when you try to impress people, you become less impressive. When you just try to be kind and loving and respectful to people, then you become super impressive just by being that mm-hmm. like your parents raised you. And if that wasn't mm-hmm. genuine, if you weren't a genuine person, then the yes, sir, yes, ma'am, thank you, ma'am, thank you, coach, yes, coach. If that's not genuine, it, it, you could tell you know and it yeah. doesn't have the same impact so that upbringing that that instilled that respect in you is so so important so that's yeah. that's awesome of course bradley um you're an olympic hopeful so you're training to hopefully participate and 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 win some medals at an upcoming winter olympics how in the world did you end up getting on a sled and going down a hill 90 miles an hour? That doesn't happen in Springville, Utah, uh, very, very often. So what took you to that? You know, the, the first step uh, was probably failing to get a, a football scholarship. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, being completely transparent here, uh, my entire life was was surrounded by trying to get a Division One football scholarship. That's all I ever wanted. Um, so day in, day out from 10 years old to 18 years old, I was trying my best, uh, trying to find every way to, to get that scholarship. Unfortunately, um, no one was trying to recruit a 175-pound defensive end. Uh, so I, I, I didn't get anything. Um, so after high school, I was honestly a, a bit lost. Uh, I did not not know what to do um i knew i wanted to be an athlete still um and it was not until i had uh i was doing my internship with the byu football team i was one day lifting with the football players uh and these are guys that just barely came back from their mission i believe they call them gray shirts or something like that um and i remember power cleaning just as much as all these guys and i was like oh my gosh hey I can still keep up. I'm still a great athlete. I want to try out for the BYU football team now. <laughs> you know, so I had a little stint where I'm like, I should go try out for the BYU football team. Well, something I didn't say earlier is I actually have an uncle that's a four-time Olympian um, in Lou, Skeleton, and Bob said he's the only person to go for all three. He caught wind that I still wanted to go get a football scholarship or make a football team. Um, I had a conversation with him and he was saying, what are you doing? 
come do skeleton or bobsled. Um, I think that you're going to be perfect at it. Um, and after that conversation with him, uh, I looked into it a little, I started, you know, to think about how, how much I looked up to him as a kid, how cool it was to have an uncle, uh, on the big TV screen, um, to watch him be the flag bearer for team Korea one year. I mean, those are very, uh, important moments in my life that I totally disregarded. Uh, but now I remember as an adult and now those are, those are like the biggest, I mean, that's the biggest reason why I'm here in the first place is because, uh, my uncle's legacy. So, um, so it's a mix between and failing to be a football player and then to having a relative in it. <laughs> that's really cool though, because one of the principles that we teach is the principle of resilience. Yeah. Which is just continuing to go, you know, not not giving up on dreams and sometimes failure or a door closing or a door not opening as wide as you would like it to. Yeah. It leads you to those things that you were meant to do. As long as you keep expending the same amount of passion and effort when a door closes, you don't lose passion and effort, you redirect it. And it sounds yeah. to me like you started to see, okay, I'm 175 pound defensive lineman. Like this door might be closed, but some people then just surrender to life and just let life happen to them instead of redirecting their talents and passions a different direction. And that's mm -hmm. part of resilience. You know, yeah. that's a, that's a key of resilience is not losing passion and effort. And so now as you go down face first, 90 miles per hour, like have you fallen in love? with the skeleton. I would love to hear just how you feel about it as you're going down. Yes. I mean, it's a love hate relationship. I'm sure Dustin, you didn't like playing quarterback when you got sacked, um, you know, by 300 pound dudes. So, um, but you absolutely loved it when you got to get a win in from all the, in front of all those people. So there's, it's, it's a love hate relationship at times. I mean, um, if you asked me after practice today, I'd probably say I hate skeleton. I was getting thrown around, hitting every single wall. It's one of my first practices of the year. Um, but yes, for the most part, I absolutely love it. Uh, being able to still compete, uh, and still have a capable body to do it is such a blessing for me. Uh, if I don't make it to the Olympics one day, um, I think I'd still be content with my athletic career as a skeleton athlete because of the people that I've met um, the, you know, the experiences I've had. Um, so it's, it, it's all been completely worth it for me already. I love it. That's a great attitude to take Bradley and Chad and I talked quite a bit about, uh, a point you just made right there. And that is that it, it's the journey is really where the, where the rewards come from. It's not always the final destination, right? We yeah. don't know we don't know if the final destination is going to be what we hoped it would be. There's no guarantee that you're going to to make the Olympic team, right? Or or win a medal. I mean, you're close. You're closer than 99.9% of, of those that, you know, that ever thought that might be possibility, but there still isn't that guarantee. But the fact that you're wise enough to realize at your age that, you know, if it doesn't happen, I'm, you know, I'm still content with things I've learned is is good. Um, but I also know you well enough to know you're going to make it and that you're uh, 
you're super fired up and you're super motivated and 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 fierce and, and relentless and that we're going to see you doing it and we're going to be watching the tv and saying hey we know that guy and and uh we're, we're, we're but we're proud of your efforts either way man i i kind of want to lead into a question with that being said knowing how hard this is and you're talking about an olympic games that's still potentially seven years away like that's a heck of a lot of training, man. Like I, I, yeah. I don't know very many people at your age that are, you know, shooting for something that's years away and, and can stay focused on it. How do you think the motto of eyes up, do the work? Has it helped you um, thinking about that now? What do you think that could help you along the, the next, you know, however many years it takes for you to, to get that shot? What does eyes up, do the work mean to you? Yeah. Um, so, skeleton is the individual sport um so it's very easy to fall into that toxicity of i want to go to the olympics even though my teammates are my teammates you know i could easily just not like them because you know they could potentially take my olympic spot one day if they beat me right what i love how i could apply eyes uh, eyes up do the work to my position specifically is uh, <laughs> Our team is not going to be good at all. We're not going to make it to the Olympic Games at all one day. None of us will if we're not better as a team. So if I'm not trying to watch out for my teammates, not always, if I'm not trying to be a good person myself around them, you know, it's going to be like that analogy where, you know, you get the two crabs in a, in a pot. You know, they're not going to get out of the pot because they're trying to hold each other down. But if they just focus on themselves, they both make it out of there. So the way that our sport works is the better you do on your World Cup circuits together as a team, the more bids that you send to the Olympics. So the reason why our team has been struggling a lot in, in recent past is because we get a lot of athletes who are just their only goal is go to the Olympics, go to the Olympics, right? And they tend to focus a little bit on themselves. Now we're trying to shift that culture completely right now with my with my class and we're trying to work together you know our goal is i don't care who which one of us go to the olympics we're going to support each other we're going to uplift each other and if one of us goes to the olympics or if multiple of us go to the olympics we're going to be just as happy if it's not us because this has been a collaborative effort between all of us you know that reminds me of two things like cycling uh, there's all the guys in the Tour de France who do all the work, mm -hmm. and then one person always gets the glory in the yellow jersey. But it's like a team thing, and you never get to know the team's name. But it also, Dustin, you're probably thinking Eric Weddle as well as you hear him. Eric Weddle, safety for the U, goes on and has a Hall of Fame career in the NFL and Bradley, you might want to go back if you haven't already and listen to that episode. It would be inspiring to you to hear him talk about it because he did when he first broke into the NFL, um, like even the guys on his own team didn't want to give him tips, didn't want to work out with him because they felt like this new rookie is here to try to take my job, right? Mm -hmm. So he decided to go completely countercultural. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And even people who got drafted on other teams, he would call them safeties that got drafted. He would call them and say, hey, I'm here for you. If you ever have any questions, if you ever want to work out, if you ever are having a tough time, I'm here for you. 
I want to help you. Like even people on other teams, he would do that to. But he attributed part of his longevity in the NFL to that attitude because as he shared things with others, he would learn things from other people. And then he would also think, man, I've shared everything I know with this guy. I got to learn some more stuff, right? And it just kept mm-hmm. him on this upward trajectory. And so I think that attitude sometimes, the irony of the crab attitude of pulling people down mm-hmm. is that you stay down, right? Versus when you lift people up, you're going to learn things from other people as you try to help them. You're going you're gonna to make such a contribution, not only to your team, but I really believe that when you give, it comes back to you and and people will give you the advice that they're learning. And, and that's a great way to build a team culture. That's that's awesome. Can I ask you something? Dustin, you probably heard this when he was answering too. Um, you said, I'm just grateful to be an athlete and grateful to have the ability to compete. It sounds like you love competing you're probably that guy that monopoly is like let's go let's do it like someone's gonna win this game and it's gonna be me tell us about your love for competition and then how you balance that without competing with hatred for your teammates as you've already talked about how could someone as competitive as you not hate other people you're competing against and maybe begin with that why do you love competing so much? Yeah, I mean, competition, I, I love it. I'm, I'm a very competitive person. And, you know, if you talk to any person training for an Olympic sport, they're just as competitive as me. Um, not many people know this, but U.S. Uh, Olympic athletes are not paid for what they do. Uh, a lot of the things that they do come out of their own pocket, especially in their early development years. So our national governing body, when you get to the top, top level, you'll get paid um, a little bit, but you're still living underneath the poverty line. So uh, every single one of us who are here um, at, at the Olympic level, we we are so competitive and we love uh, love being competitive. You know, it's, it's an addiction, right? Um, truly, (laughs) but, uh, you, you, surround yourself with all these competitive people all the time. Obviously we all want to win, but, uh, there is not one time within this sport where I've, I've felt, um, I've felt anything negative from other competitors because, uh, we understand that if we come out and we, we perform at our best, you know, our, the best version of ourselves and we get beat, I think we're okay with that. Every single one of us are okay with that. Uh, because at the end of the day, we're all just trying to, to strive to be the best version of ourselves. And if we happen to win, that's even better. Uh, but that's the most important thing is like, I mean, what drives me every day is like, I want to see if I could be considered one of the best athletes in the world, you know, can I, if, and if I get that Olympian title, I can be considered one of the best athletes in the world. I want to see how far my body can take me. Um, I don't know if I directly answered that question, but I kind of went off on the tab in there. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's beautiful. For us, we even have a principle that we teach a lot, seek to be your best, not the best, right? And sometimes... Sometimes even being the best, we've talked about this with a number of people, you know, sometimes when our goal is just to be the best, like if right now your only goal was to be the best in America, 
well that that's great until you get to the olympics right yeah and maybe you could have been better striving to be your best doesn't place a ceiling on you that only the ceiling is only placed by your effort the time your natural talents and abilities let that place the ceiling but don't stop working because you've reached this like subheading of of what you could could get to and we love teaching that and we see that in your attitude which is probably why you've got as far as you've got so that's a beautiful answer that's awesome we're all hoping bradley that your best is a gold medal right and so it may not be but geez man let's let's go for it right let's let's see and and like you never know right it could that could be your best um one of our principles our very first principle of especially for athletes is win the hour and when we're talking to athletes it doesn't matter the sport there are several things every day that we're constantly competing against and we can never beat time right we're always losing a second we're always losing time so the only thing we can do is try to win the the moment that we're in no matter your sport no matter your age whatever we make decisions on how we're going to use that time and those decisions either help or hurt whatever our goal in life is we we talk about do our do our actions match our goals do our habits match our goals right you have goal a well it's very easy to see if you're serious about whatever goal a is by what you did that day did your habits match what that goal was um while you're training right now to to be an olympic athlete to be one of the very best athletes in the entire world you don't have my guess is a whole lot of time to be just you know dinking around um at what point in this process did you realize managing your day sleep eating routine you know taking care of your body lifting all the stuff that goes into to try to maximize your athletic ability and your mental toughness and 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 resiliency um when did you realize this is a different ball game now i've got to take my guy got to make what's most important most important during the day you know I'll, i know you want me to talk about when the hour but i'll take it one step further in skeleton we have to truly win the minute um so in our sport uh, our runs when we go down the track it is so taxing on you know, on our body we can only take two to three runs a day so Dustin, when you're coaching these these quarterbacks, they could throw the ball a hundred times in one practice. They'll come back the next day and be just fine. But in our in our sport, it just taxes our central nervous system so so much. We need to just take our our limited runs and then leave. Uh, so uh, what I've learned from Skeleton is just being intentional in everything I do. When I take one of my three runs in a day, that one minute run. I am being intentional with every single one of my goals. You know, what is my goal for this run? What am I hoping to accomplish? Did I accomplish it? Okay, if I didn't, what am I taking out of it still? And I find myself living that way just into my day-to-day life, just trying to be intentional with everything I do. Because in Skeleton, you know, we don't have much time at all uh, when we're going down that track. What's a typical day like for you? So when I I wake up in the morning around 7 a.m., go immediately to my breakfast. 
um, right after I'm done with breakfast, I'm thinking about what I'm going to be doing at my practice. Um, I'm right. You know, I'm watching film, uh, seeing what I did the previous day, what mistakes I made, uh, what I can do better. Then I speak to my coach a little bit. By the time 10 o'clock rolls around for our 11 o'clock practice, we are leaving to the track. Uh, once we're there, I'm doing my warm up, et cetera, getting ready for my runs, right? Practices are anywhere between, um, I'm there at the track two to three hours. Um, and here in Lake Placid, it gets so dark, so early. The first thing I want to do when I get back to the track is like the moment that sunlight keeps, goes down, I am tired from my, my skeleton practice. I need to get in the weight room while that sun is giving me a little bit of energy and motivation. So I am, as soon as I get back, I eat a little bit of food. I am in the weight room. And right after my one hour of in the weight room, I'm running my sprints, right? So this is already a packed day. I haven't had a single, a single moment to text my wife. Hello, you know, uh, just because I'm so packed. Um, but by the time five o'clock rolls around, uh, luckily it's, it's, it's recovery time. Uh, so it gets a little more chill from there, but you see the, the importance of time management from, you know, 7am to three, 3 PM for me here, uh, at the Olympic training center. What time do you typically go to sleep at? Um, usually my, when I'm sliding, my body doesn't let me go to sleep past 10 30, to be honest with you. Um, and in the off season, I'm a, I'm a little different. You know, I could, I could stay up till 11, 1130, maybe watch a little bit of football. Um, but, uh, yeah, during the, the season here, I, you know, I'm out at 1030 just because I need to get as many hours of sleep as I can. So I could come back and do the same thing the next day. And, and I asked you, I asked you that, uh, that question specifically to, hopefully get you to say that answer because when we're talking to an athlete about being their very best um, you can't be your very best if you're not getting enough sleep fueling your body with the right sorts of sort of food and water and things right your, your diet nutrition and then obviously there's the weight room and the cardio and everything that's part of it and then there's the skill development the specific skill set that you're trying to develop develop and 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 some might say the the mental side of it as well you know you're you're meditating or you're you know you're, you're envisioning yourself doing whatever it is you're doing and setting goals and following up on goals and you know all the thing making a plan every day and so you know that's that's important i'm glad you said that cuz that's something we try to stress to kids is that you can't say you want to be your very best and then in the same uh, sentence if i asked you you know or the same conversation if i asked you what time you went to sleep you said you're staying up till one o'clock playing video games you know and then trying to wake up at seven you're not getting enough sleep your body's not going to be able to handle it so you know that's important and probably something that as you're continuing to develop uh, as an athlete you're realizing more and more the importance of of prioritizing your day and making sure that you're the most important things get taken care of every day. Yeah, of course. Yep. Bradley, you have access to some of the best coaches in the world. I assume the United States has some great skeleton coaches, right? <laughs> um, are there a few, no matter the sport, right? You have that moment where you're standing up there, you're just about to sprint, hop on a, 
uh, is it called a sled? Is that what you call yeah, it? It's just a sled. Yeah. Uh, hop on the sled and go down, right? It's going to be the craziest minute. <laughs> he would probably kill me and Destin, right? But you're just about to do that. I'm sure that as you're getting ready to make that run, your heart is, is thumping when it's an important competition. And how do you maintain that focus? Like, what have you learned that would help other athletes? You know, a basketball player at the free throw line with a with an important free throw. A, you know, quarterback taking a hike. A soccer player with a breakaway. Like, there's all these different situations. What have you learned that has helped you kind of calm your mind and perform at your best mentally in that moment when the heart starts thumping? I mean, you take so many reps, and like I mentioned earlier, so many intentional reps, um, where you get to the point where you hopefully, when you do get to those big moments, when I when I have an important race, my heart is not pounding. Um, I'm trusting my abilities. I'm trusting all the practice that I put in, right? I love watching uh, Tom, Tom Brady when he has a game-winning drive. It is scary to see how much he like he doesn't budge he's showing no emotion he just everything he does is intentional he knows exactly what he's going to do and that's that's or when you watch uh michael jordan he could he could he could do a free throw with his eyes closed he's done no that was kobe but you know same mindset right they trust their training so much their practice so much by the time you get there you're not your heart's not pounding so i mean don't get me wrong. There's going to be situations that come up where, you know, I am a bit nervous. Maybe it's a track that I don't have a lot of runs at. Um, and by the time race comes around, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm not very familiar with this track and I'm about to bomb myself down this hill. Yeah, but I always have to bring my ba- myself back to a point, you know, where I'm like, okay, I've been here before. I, I know what it's like to be on the sled, you know. Um, I, I know how to get down this hill safely. So, and when, when it comes to my sport, um, yeah, there, there is a sense of fear, uh, for your safety involved. It's not just about, uh, if you're going to win or not. So there's multiple things that you're kind of fighting in your head. Uh, but you're hoping to get to that point eventually where you just trust yourself completely. That's really cool. You earn a non-thumping heart. Right. Yeah, all yeah, your practice so. and, and all of that. Like that's earned. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I've learned to calm my mind. I've learned to there's there's some of that, I'm sure, to every every sport, and that's valuable too. But I love your answer because you're you're basically saying, nah, my heart's not thumping. I've earned the yeah. right to not have my heart yeah. my heart thump, which is a really cool concept. In our sport, um, it, it's really interesting. You know, you get, you know, football, you get people, you know, banging their chest, you know, getting all hyped up, or you see that with other sports. For even bobsled, you see people just getting all hyped up. But in skeleton, you have to be so calm, relaxed. Uh, you know, you have to be able to feel every part of your body. Uh, you don't want your heart thumping at all. We avoid any sort of caffeine. We do avoid anything that could potentially raise our, our heart rate because we want to stay as grounded as possible, uh, when we're going, when we're at that line. We had, um, a golfer from BYU 
one of their best, if not their best current golfers um, on the team named Zach Jones on not long ago, uh, that maybe five or six podcasts ago. Anyway, he talked about a swing thought that he has right before he hits the ball that he said, you know, to say it out loud, he said it might sound arrogant or, but to him, it, he says, you're the best driver in the world. You're the best golfer in the world. That's the last thing he thinks before he, you know, he swings. Um, I, I read something similar to that in a book I'm reading right now on leadership about when somebody puts you in a situation like, you know, a coach who is overseeing the skeleton, you know, Olympic program for, for the USA puts you at the top of that mountain and says, you're the guy that you need to have that thought process of people believe in me. They I'm here because I've earned this. There are people who would not have put me here if they didn't think I could do this, right? So, yeah, yeah I can do this. I'm the best daggum skeleton racer in the flipping planet. Let's go, right? And that's a that's a good mindset to have before you go down there. That you're not there by accident. You've earned it, and people believe in you. And go take the hill, man. Dustin, I th I think it's so funny that you mentioned that um, <laughs> because uh, when I my, during my rookie year of skeleton. I did not know what I was doing. Uh, I was getting hurt every single practice. I was having a hard time uh, trying to pick up the sport, understanding the concept of how the curves work. Uh, so I talked to my sports psychiatrist about this and he said, okay, before every single one of your runs, I want you to have a mantra. And he says, I don't care what it is. It can be, and it's funny. He swore. He said, you can say, I am the effing best. And it's like, I don't care what it is. It could even be that. What's funny is like, I couldn't think of anything on my own. So that's exactly what I say every time. I'm not someone who swears a lot. <laughs> I mean, one of the few times I do is I say, I am explicitive, <laughs> the best. And I've said that since my rookie year. My rookie year, I was not good at all. Right. And I'm saying that in my head. But for some reason, it just put me in that mindset that just, it just makes me think, okay, I got this. I'm confident in myself, right? I am the best. And till this day, I use that. And I'm embarrassed to tell my teammates that. I, I can't even like, cause who wants a teammate sit telling themselves, I am the best, you know? But that's something that I use. And uh, it, it's funny that the golfer is saying the same exact thing as me. You know, I said this even when, when Zach said this, but it, I feel like that's in the world in which we live right now, there aren't enough people that are telling themselves that they're good, that they're... yeah that they're talented they it's it's like i don't know man we're we're so hard on ourselves and i i think to have a young person saying those things in their brain i would rather have them err on that side yeah. with their inner talk than some of the stuff that's going on in the minds of our kids that i'm not good enough i'm not fast enough i'm not pretty enough i'm not I'm not skinny enough. I'm not strong enough. Like all these things that we just, I don't know if there's anyone in the world that talks as badly or worse about a person than that person themselves sometimes, especially those who are struggling with feelings of worth and, and confidence. It's like, if they could get that in their mind, I'm kind, I'm loving. Like if they could convince themselves that they're worthy of other people 
valuing them. I, I think it's important, and sports is a great venue to learn that in. The impact that it has on a golfer, the impact it has on a, a person who does the skeleton or anyone else to say, I'm the I'm the best, right? Mm-hmm then we can learn something from that in our life, not just in sports, that we need to talk more positive to ourselves and it's not bad to do it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That might be a good one to end on there, Shad, because that's what Eyes Up Do The Work is, right? It's Eyes Up is looking forward and doing the work is realizing that it's work sometimes to, obviously we've put in the work. When you're in that moment to race, you wouldn't be there if you hadn't put the work in. But now the work is, trusting and loving yourself enough to say i got this i'm ready right like the muscle memory is there i put in the time i've sacrificed i've made the sacrifices the work now is to get those negative thoughts out of your head and just be all into let's freaking go right and whatever you got to do to get into that mode hey man you've earned that right that's the work now it's to get doubt out it's to get you know nerves and there's a difference between nerves and being excited right you're you're excited and 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 but you know what i've earned this right now my work is it's just go do what i've been preparing for what i've been planning for and if i win i win if i lose i lose my eyes are back up and i get back to work right i don't give up yeah um there's a there, there's a movie that's going to be playing a lot here in the next month, Bradley. And if you want, I'd be happy to track it down. There's a special spray that Clark Griswold uses on his sled in the in the in the. <laughs> in the if, <laughs> you know, I mean, let me check the rule book. I, I'm sure Germany's already uh, already tried it. So they're, they're always one step ahead of everyone in our sports. Mic so. drop, Germany. Boom. Take that, Germany. I do want to say one last thing before I go. Um, I just wanted to share the story. Um, when I was in high school, uh, my junior year of football, I, uh, I was really looking forward to getting some sort of award at the end of your banquet. You know, I felt that I had a great season, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the award I ended up getting was the hardest worker award. And I was embarrassed of it. Um, cause you know, and my teammates voted for me to be, and I was the hardest worker. Um, I looked at it as, as, Oh, this is just a, this is, this is just a sorry reward. They just, you know, uh, they didn't know who to give this to. So they just gave it to me. But now that, you know, I'm, I'm 23, almost 24, I'm competing at the highest level. I look at that award as the best achievement I've ever gotten. Cause it's the reason why I'm here today. So, um, I just encourage any kid, you know, um, I don't care what your skill level is or how far you are in the death chart. There's the biggest compliment you could get from anyone is that you're the hardest worker because that's going to carry over to so many different parts of your life as well. So that's just the story that I wanted to end on. I wish I could go back and tell uh, the 17 year, year old version of myself that this is the greatest achievement that you'll ever receive. That's awesome, man. That's a that's a great way to end, Bradley. And everybody that's listening, we can control how hard we work. There's a lot of things that are out of our control, but we can control how much effort we put into something. And uh, that's what Eyes Up Do the Work is. And, and win or lose, 
we keep our eyes up and keep fighting. That's resiliency. That's especially for athletes. That's the the motto and and what we hope people take from this. And the reason why you're you're going to continue to improve and get better, and we're going to see you up there someday racing for our country. We're proud of you, man. We're we're proud of you. Keep doing it. Lean on us wherever we can help you. Know that we're supporting you. And uh, to everybody out there listening, thank you for joining us for this podcast episode of of the Sportlight from Especially for Athletes. Take care. Thanks, Bradley. We appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank you. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.